Hello and welcome to Moneyline. This is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me. We're in a new quarter, a new half of the year. It's Friday, July 2nd. we got a huge show coming up. I'm going to talk about five of my favorite stocks going into the second half of this year. I have more, but we're going to do five per show in the next couple of shows. Also, the biggest week for IPOs since 2004. What were you doing in 2004? We're going to talk about those IPOs, break them down. There's some big names out there, some that you'll recognize. We'll talk cryptos. We'll talk to market breaking out. All that and more coming up right now on Moneyline. The buck starts here. Moneyline with Matt McCall. Again, welcome. I'm Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me here. It is Friday, July 2nd. We are now on the other side of 2021. Uh, the quarter ended uh, on Wednesday. It's, it's amazing how fast this first half of the year has gone. It seems like yesterday, it was March or so of 2020 being locked down, looking at the, one of the greatest buying opportunities I've seen in a long, long, long time. And man, it's, it's a year and four months since then, about unbelievable how time flies. So. Today we got a big show. I'm going to talk about the markets. They're breaking out. The S&P again breaking out. Uh, we're going to talk about the cryptos pulling back a little bit, doing the opposite. Uh, but more important, the meat and potatoes of the show. We're going to talk about IPOs, the biggest week that we've had since 2004. Uh, we're going to name some names. There's some big ones out there. Uh, a company that's already been public before, went private, it's going public again. Uh, in some really nice sectors, I think that we need to touch on. So I'll analyze some of those for you, uh, give you an idea of what to look for. And then I started going through lists for stocks uh, looking at the second half of this year and beyond. Obviously, I'm a long-term investor, but starting now looking out uh, some great stocks and some of my investment trends that I love. And I'm going to share five with you today, five next show, maybe even five more next Friday after this. But we're going to keep, uh, keep you on your toes, keep you waiting for more, wanting more, as we're supposed to do. Okay, so let's jump into markets here. Let's pull up right now the S&P 500. Uh, as you can see... Uh, Thursday, I'm taping this actually Thursday evening. So it's Thursday evening East Coast. Uh, here it's still a little light as you can see. Uh, so uh, in the background in a moment you'll be able to see. Uh, but we had the S&P again. This is now six consecutive days of all-time highs. Uh, the RSI down here, I, this is the RSI that I use. I use a nine-day RSI, nine-period RSI, uh, up at 97.17. So as high as you can get is 100. So we are overbought in a short term. It doesn't mean we can't go up six more days, but it just means we're overbought in a short term. And I, I think we probably see some pullback in the next couple of weeks back to this red line, which is a 50-day moving average, testing at some point, probably giving us another great buying opportunity uh, long term. So that's something to keep an eye on with the market here. Don't be overly aggressive. But I think you, know, you can't go up every day. We've been up eight of the last nine days, new all-time high, six consecutive days, it's okay to take a breather. Uh, so we'll see when that happens. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's Friday. Now let's take a look now at the NASDAQ composite. Close just a couple ticks. Uh, six points off its all-time closing high, which it achieved on Tuesday. Uh, and this is, again, we're looking at Thursday's close. So just a couple ticks off that. But again, things are looking great here. And this is what we call an ascending triangle. We have uh, increasing lows, higher lows, and we had a flat top right here. So that's the top of the triangle. And then the bottom of the triangle would be this line right here. So you connect those two together just like that. And I'll move it down a little bit. That is what you call an ascending triangle. 
When it breaks out here, what you want to see is a consolidation, sometimes pullback, retest this level, and that's exactly what it's doing. This is extremely bullish from a technical view on the long term, folks. Just keep that in mind. The Dow, which was a leader uh, starting in February because we had a lot of the growth stocks pull back and the Dow took off. It's been consolidating as well. It's got a like, bit of a triple top up here, but again, just below an all-time high. Things looking very good uh, for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And now we'll take a look at the Russell 2000 Small Cap Index. Uh, you can disregard these two lines right here. I can actually get rid of them potentially. Um, so, ooh, I don't even know what the heck I hit there. Uh, but we'll leave it there for now. A lot of resistance up here, but again, just off a high, folks. So it's something really, really to consider, okay? And um, again, let's go back to the S&P 500 because I don't know what I did to that screen. And uh, we'll take a look at that. But uh, as you can see, it is light behind me because it, it's two hours difference here. And again, it's Thursday afternoon around 3.11 or so, so 5.11 uh, East Coast time. But what's amazing here in Nicaragua is the sun, even though it's, it's staying up now the longest it does all year, it's still down by about 6, 10 p.m. Uh, over the winter, it's down at like 5 p.m. Uh, but it's also up the sun around 5 and change, you know, 5.15, 5.20 a.m., which I love because I get up with the sun. So up early to bed early, it's fantastic. So that's where you stand with the markets. I know it's kind of the same thing every week, but the thing is the charts keep telling me to be bullish. So we're not going to fight it. We're not going to listen to the noise. I turned on CBC this morning because I just wanted more to watch in the background, hooked it up to the TV from the computer as I was working. And um, I had to mute it eventually because it's just, gosh, it's just annoys me. And I hate to always complain about the, the media, but the problem is majority of you watching me watch CNBC, watch Fox Business, and it just, it scares me because they're not there for you. They're not there to help you at all. And I just, it, it, it bothers me that, that if you hear over and over, you're going to start believing what they say and you're going to make decisions based off what they say. And they're not managing money. Uh, they're not doing anything. They don't have newsletters. They're just talking heads, truly, truly talking heads. A lot of them have never worked for a finance firm in their life, which is even more uh, flabbergasting. So uh, cryptos, Bitcoin right now could change a lot by the time this goes live, but it's around 33,500. Uh, it's just, it's annoying me. It's frustrating. It goes between 30 and 35, 36, and it's kind of right in the middle of range right now. Um, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I almost... Part of me, this contrarian view of myself, kind of likes it. Because the way that I look at it is, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting impatient. And I know I shouldn't. I'm a long-term investor when it comes to cryptos. And I don't plan on selling anytime soon. Uh, but the thing is, I, I want to start seeing a move in one direction or the other just to get, pick a damn direction. And obviously, I'd like it to go higher. Uh, that fact that I'm feeling that tells me there's probably a big move on the horizon. So again, that's just my gut. That, that's, there's nothing behind that. There's no technicals behind it, nothing else. Uh, pure gut, so you know. Uh, the two main topics are gonna be the five stocks so far that are like for the uh, rest of 2021 and beyond. Uh, and, and they fall into our categories, which is great. I'm gonna share five more next Tuesday and probably five more next Friday. But IPOs, let's talk initial public offerings. It's fascinating, late last year, even early this year, SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Corps, we're all the rage. And they're starting to pick back up. They really are. And you're seeing a lot more deals being done, a lot more definitive agreements being done. Uh, we saw it as a lull a couple months ago, and it's really picking back up. We're, we're, we're back really where we were at the beginning of the year. So we are seeing a quietly pick back up, which I'm, I'm happy about that. That being said, IPOs really kind of pushed aside a lot last year. So let's take a look at just this week. 18 companies went public this week. 18 companies. 
It's the most in a week since 2004. A lot of times you try to get in by the end of the quarter. That could have been why they were doing it, because obviously this week marked the end of the second quarter. In the first half of this year, 213 companies went public. They raised about $70 billion. The $70 billion that was raised in the first six months is more than the average of a full year over the last 10 years. The average full year is less than $70 billion. So that's pretty impressive. Um, 18 IPOs this year have raised at least $1 billion. Uh, a couple of them were this week. We're going to talk about that. Uh, June is the uh, busiest month. Uh, this, this June right now that we just wrapped up was the busiest month for IPOs since August of 2020. Over 20 years, almost 21 years, folks. Unbelievable. And then let's take a look at SPACs. You know, SPACs, uh, there was 50 that went public in the second quarter uh, with about $9.3 billion in proceeds. This is down 89% from Q1. So maybe it's a lot of the money shifted back into traditional IPOs. I don't know. I, don't, I, th I think they both can live um, together. I, I think they can coexist, in my, in my opinion. Uh, the average IPO, this is pretty fascinating. The average IPO returned 26% in the second quarter. I'm getting this from Renaissance IPO. Average return of the IPO in the second quarter, 26%. That sounds awesome. It tells me, it, it, it says, well, we should buy IPOs every time they go public. Keep in mind. 24% were in the first day. So if an IPO price is at 20 and it opens at 25 and closes there, it's up 25%. So right around the average. Problem is, it never traded between 20 and 25, most likely. It could have opened at 25 and traded around there, but it opened up there. You know, the people who got in pre-going pre public, pre-IPO, they're the ones making the big bucks. The average investor buying on the first day is probably one of the worst, worst, worst Investments ever, unless you're a day trader, which you, you do your own thing. I, I can't help you with that. But if you're an investor buying on the first day, first week even, is usually one of the worst investments. And I've, I've talked about this a million times, so you all know my view on that. This is why you need to be patient, though. You need to wait for the IPOs to come back to you. You need to be patient and, and not buy right away. Because if the average gains 26% and the first day is 24%, that means it's not doing anything after that. And so keep that in mind. If the, if the average gains only 2%, it means a lot of them are down. 87 companies right now filed are looking to raise about $20 million already for the second half of 2021. So you're seeing a ton of money uh, ready flowing in, and about to flow into IPOs already in the second half, setting up to be a great second half already. Two of the names that, that caught my eye that, that are interesting, uh, one's, and I'm, I have personal ties to both of them. One is Membership Collective. Uh, they uh, own Soho House, you know, these private membership things, and where I used to hang out all the time in New York. It was one of my hangouts. So I, I, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's the best business model. I've reevaluated it if it's public, uh, but I have ties to it. And the other one is F45, uh, which is a boutique fitness facility. And when I moved to Baltimore, uh, diversify my um, investment portfolio, if you will, my entrepreneurship, I bought the rights to majority of Baltimore to open F45 Studios, which were, didn't exist there. And this was about two and a half years ago. I then pivoted because I didn't like all the restrictions. And I had another opportunity to open a Pilates studio, which has been highly successful and looking to expand to D.C. very soon. Uh, so that was the best decision I made, selling it back to the company. But now F45 is looking to go public. They're, bar they're, they're backed by Mark Wahlberg. You might see it. Uh, I will tell you this, it's one of the great workouts. 
Uh, I've done the workout in Nashville. I've done it in London. Uh, 45 minutes. It's amazing. Uh, I'm also glad I didn't do it because the, the fact that you move to all these different 20 stations or so has to be a, a gosh darn nightmare when it comes to COVID protocols. You know, things are finally back to normal now, but coming well, COVID protocols must have been, I don't know how you clean things. You have, you're removing the entire time. So uh, pretty, pretty fascinating there. But that's a file to go public as well, and that's one I'll keep an eye on. There's a couple other big names I haven't filed yet, but most likely. Oh, actually, Robinhood just filed uh, Thursday. So Robinhood just filed uh, they put their numbers out there. I didn't get a chance to dive into them yet, so I'm not going to talk about Robinhood just filed, though. Uh, I think Warby Parker, the uh, glass company, I wear the Warby Parker glasses. I don't have any on my desk right now. Um, but I go get them because like $100, $150. So if I lose them or scratch them, I'll get another pair. That's for everything. It's for the lenses, for the frames. I mean, you can't go wrong. Uh, and they're pretty, you know, fashion-forward cool stuff, too, I think. Uh, Chobani, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but that's the Greek yogurt. Uh, Flipkart, which is the largest online retailer in India, that was spun out from Walmart a little while ago. Uh, Instacart, which is here, you know, buying stuff, getting delivered, uh, groceries, Dole Foods. So a couple of names all over the place, but uh, expected to file to go public in the second half of this year. Now, some of the companies that went public this year, well, I want to talk about them. And we'll dive into those first. And these are in no specific order, no buying, you know, no buy or sell recommendations. You know, they, they just went public. So um, first one we'll take a look at, and again, no specific order, is Sentinel-1. And, you know, I'm going to pull it up on a chart here, but it's not going to mean anything uh, because it's got two trading days. But I'll just show you anyway. So you would see it opened at 46, ran to 46.5, and, and closed around 42.5 on the first day. Today, uh, Thursday, opened at 44, ran to 45, and uh, almost 45, close at 40. So again, you're buying the first day when it opens at 46, you're already down, what, 14% or so? So it's $11 billion company. Uh, they have a platform called Singularity, uh, and it's, uh, it's an artificial intelligence-powered um, system. Instead of like people behind the scenes, it's for cybersecurity, but it's, it's run by AI. And uh, they use these response platforms. It takes in all this information, uh, it then puts it in these different queries, correlates it all, um, and uh, then they have some type of uh, structured data that comes out of it, and then this provides this autonomous cybersecurity defense. It's, I get it, you're, you're mashing together artificial intelligence um, with uh, cybersecurity, two huge industries. So that's, that's pretty fascinating, and I, I, I like that. Company's not yet profitable. They do have over 4,700 customers, and only a year ago, they only had 2,700, so they're growing that. I like that. So it's one to keep an eye on. Again, I just showed you a chart. Two days means nothing. you got to watch it. Again, around $11 billion or so right now. Another one that went public to a lot of fanfare uh, was DD Global, D-I-D-I. Uh, that was up nice on Thursday. So you can see here, this will open on Wednesday as well, around 1670 or so. Ran up to 18, went down to close at 14 and change. The original IPO price was 14. And it gapped up uh, here with a 15.60 or so on Thursday, closed at 16.42, up 16% on a day. Uh, it is basically the Uber of China. Uh, they have about 15 million drivers uh, that cover uh, about 4,000 cities and towns as well. You know, some are towns, I guess. Uh, revenue more than doubled in the first quarter after the pandemic recovery. Uh, again, it's another one that's unprofitable, uh, but it's about a $60 billion valuation. Big reason that it was up on Thursday is announced before the opening bell on Thursday that the FTSE uh, FTSE Russell uh, will be adding it to a bunch of its indexes. 
uh, global indexes. So that's, that's big. That means if, if you have a fund or an ETF that tracks the index, uh, that you will um, have to buy it. So that, that makes perfect sense. This is one I, I definitely keep an eye on. I mean, the Uber of China, it, it just, the sound of it sounds awesome. But it's a big company, right? $60 billion. Again, these are so new. I want you to please on your watch list, but don't even consider buying these, in my opinion, because, again, they're so brand new. You have to let them figure themselves out a little bit. One that just went public on Thursday, uh, this company was public in the past, uh, and uh, I love the symbol, D-nut, do- uh, donuts, uh, Krispy Kreme. And I've never, I, I love donuts. I don't eat them that often, but I, I love a good donut. Uh, everybody knows Dunkin' Donuts is like my favorite uh, uh, coffee, and their sour cream donuts my favorite. A little crunchy on the outside, you can't go wrong. Uh, I don't like Krispy Kreme donuts. I've only had them a couple times in my life. I probably haven't had one in over a decade, but I never liked them. I just thought they were disgustingly sugar, uh, sugar-laden. I will tell you this, as a kid, I went to a small Catholic school called St. Teresa's. Uh, my father went there as well, my uncles, you know, family legacy type thing. And uh, I used to walk home, uh, my parents worked, so I had to walk home, my sister, my cousins, we had to go to my uh, grandmother and grandfather's house. Maybe a half mile, you know, nice little walk through this quiet little town. But on the way home was a local donut shop called the Hellertown Bakery. And you'd stop in there for 25 cents. You just always had a quarter on you and you got, got a donut. Every day, stop in and get a donut. I remember I went back there after leaving for college and it closed down. I was so sad. Now you, I think a donut's like, what, a buck or something? It's crazy. And these were the best donuts you'll ever get. And uh, you know, every once, once a week you had to pick up brand new uh, uh, bread right out of the oven for, for my grandmother to take home. So she had her, her bread. Um, she was pretty frugal so she'd give you real thin slices and then freeze it for like lasted for like 10 years or something like that uh but i i love a good donut uh crispy cream uh they raised about 600 million dollars about 3.8 billion dollar valuation but it was well up from the opening price so uh i i look at this and and it's pretty crazy trading day between 15 and 22 close at 2087 Again, this is something we need to just keep an eye on, uh, but they, they're considered an omni-channel retailer now because they don't only just have the shops, they, are, they partner with other people, uh, they partner with other retailers, they're inside other places, they have e-commerce, they have delivery, so it's a little bit bigger now of, of a business model, uh, but again, it's still selling to me subpar donuts, uh, sugar-laden. The next one, this one really catches my eye because I think that uh, you'll hear about why in a moment. This is called Clear Secure. Symbol's U, Y-O-U, really cool symbol. So this opened around 38 and change, ran up to 40, almost 45 on Wednesday, close at 40. Uh, Thursday ran up to 54, close at 47.20. It's raised about 376 million at a $4.1 billion valuation. Uh, where it's at now, the valuation's probably around six, if, if I'm guessing. I'll tell you real quick what, how it jumped up. And that's the problem. But, you know, some of these jump so fast, their valuation gets out of whack in a matter of days. Yeah, it's almost a $7 billion valuation at this point. So they have a uh, secure identity platform. It uses biometrics, um, and it helps with the identification and verification process. And if you've ever been to um, certain um, airports have it, uh, BWI has it. So I actually signed up for it once. I think it was in December of last year when I came to Nicaragua. Uh, signed up for it and you know it's for free for a couple of months and then I canceled it because uh, obviously the pandemic I wasn't flying so but it's it's the, that line is always so clear and it's biometric does your eyes you go right through but what I find fascinating about this they're in 38 airports right now also at first I was like well you're not in many airports in BWI I fly out of a lot but if you're not in other ones it doesn't help me much there are 38 airports now but this is what I find pretty fascinating 
Uh, this is as of the end of May. 26 sports and inter entertainment partners, okay? And then 67 health pass enabled partners. I'm not saying we should do this. I'm not saying uh, anything about that. But the way I see the world going, this is something that I could see where you have clears in all the airports, which makes sense. But you, you also have clear in big office buildings, every arena in a country, every sporting event, every concert you go to. And if you have the clear pass, you go through. Does your biometric too. That may have, if you've been vaccinated, it might have, if you have a clear test of something, uh, it might just clear you through security in general. You don't have to be checked. So many things. I see that was where we're going. And I know for the security people out there that, that do not like to have um, any of their stuff shared, this is the, the scariest thing in the world. Uh, and again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I think we're going there. And a company like this, I could, I mean, again, I, I have to do a deep dive into the actual company. But man, oh man, this concept to me is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. All right. Um, oh, no, if I showed you a chart, sorry, I was talking about it, but there's a chart I was just talking about. Uh, the next one is LegalZoom, and this was, this was a company that was public before as well, just like Krispy Kreme. Uh, LegalZoom.com, symbol LZ. Uh, the chart's loading kind of weird there, but <clears throat> it closed Friday or Thursday at 3806. You can see it's, it's been all over the place, but uh, for some reason it's loading kind of goofy. I'll try to fix that for you here in a second. But um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty fascinating, that company as well. Uh, they, uh, they, they raised about $488 million at a $5.3 billion valuation. Let me see where they stand today again after, after the move. Uh, I, I, I assume, yeah, almost $7.5 billion now. And um, here I got the chart up for you now. You can see here it opened Wednesday around 36 and a quarter, three quarters, ran up to 38 and three quarters. Uh, then Thursday between 36 and almost 40, close at 38.06. So, Little, not as wild as the other ones, but the, the company claims to be the leading online platform for all legal and compliance uh, solutions. They, they, they say that 10% of all new LLCs, limited liability com corporations, companies, and 5% of all new corporations in the U.S. were formed via LegalZoom in 2010. Fascinating. Maybe, or sorry, not 2010, 2020. Maybe it's because everybody's home, so they just used it because they're stuck on a pandemic. Uh, I've opened so many LLCs to me, it's easy. So I don't use this kind of stuff, but it does help because some states are really a pain in the ass to open it up. New York's a royal pain in the ass. Um, it's profitable on an EBITDA basis uh, in the first quarter of 2021. They have, uh, they operate all 50 states in over 3,000 counties in the United States. I don't know how many counties there are. I'd actually like to know that because I, I, I feel like, why wouldn't you be in every county? How many? I wish this was a live show because I want to know if anybody knew how many counties uh, in the U.S. there are. Uh, my guess is 4,500. Oh, 3,006. So if they say that, <laughs> they said they're in over 3,000, well, that means you're basically in every county. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So basically, just they should just say they're in every county, except for like whatever one or two they're not in. Uh, so I want to keep an eye on it. LegalZoom is one to keep an eye on because more and more people, entrepreneurs, starting things, it's much easier online to do it this way. You pay them 150 bucks, whatever it is, boom, it's done. Uh, this other one here we're going to take a look at. This is a, um, another Chinese one, and this one public uh, this week as well, uh, and it's called Ding Dong, which is such a goofy name, uh, symbol uh, DDL. 
and it is a Chinese grocery, grocery app. Uh, so you know, order your fresh groceries on, on the app. They raised $343 million at around $6 billion. It's now trading at around just under $8 billion. Open at 23, ran to 30, closed at 23-ish. Uh, that was on Tuesday. Wednesday, it ran up to 46, closed at 38. And then Thursday, closed at 32.43. I mean, you talk about a wild ride, folks. That's over 100% from top to bottom right there. So again, this is why you have to be very, very careful when it comes to um, uh, IPOs. So, uh, you know, they try to get fresh groceries uh, to, their, um, to their customers. Uh, they state it's the fastest growing on-demand e-commerce company in China. Still unprofitable, uh, but they do have some pretty big growth. Uh, the company had 10% share of the on-demand e-commerce market uh, gross merchandise volume in 2020 in China. So it's a pretty big company and only around $8 billion. I almost thought it would be a little bit bigger, but maybe it's discounted because it's China. But again, one, one to keep an eye on. So that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, six companies there you want to keep an eye on out of the 18 that went public. All right, <clears throat> now we're going to take a look here at, you got it. We're going to start some of my five, my five for Starting now, second half 2021, going forward, long-term, not saying just for six months. This, this is long-term we're looking at. Um, and let's take a look at number one. And, and some of these I've talked about in the past just because I've liked them. So let's, let's talk about them more. Let's, and, you know, we don't always have to come up with new ideas. Uh, Dassault Systems, D-A-S-T-Y, Dasty. Uh, this is our play on industrials. Industrials don't sound exciting, but to me, you take a lot of trends I love and you drop them all in here. It includes 3D printing. It includes a future of manufacturing and all industrials. It includes software. It includes supply chain, which are so many issues right now. They provide a software uh, that includes 3D design uh, software. And um, one thing that they're doing is they're helping uh, a couple firms. They build um, what they call these digital simulation systems. And really what they do is they build these systems that are these 3D experience platforms where you're basically there. Um, it's unbelievable. The one they're working on is called uh, Virtual Singapore. And the reason they're doing that is that the platform is going to be hopefully used to um, work on uh, transportation and, and the footprint that transportation causes in Singapore. But these 3D kind of virtual worlds that, are, that are, they're creating through the software, fascinating to me. You look at the chart here, it's obviously a nice uptrend, pulling back from a high. But a $63 billion company. Top line's growing about 10% annually going forward. Bottom line, 19%. It's not a cheap company, but it's a leader in just so many leading, disruptive, revolutionary areas. It is tough to overlook this company. I've had it on my watch list forever. Obviously, I have no exposure to any of these companies. Uh, you zoom out here and take a look at this. Again, it's a big company, but you know, 63 billion. You know, there's so many companies out there that are half a half a trillion, and that that'd be a, a what an eight bagger for this. So I'm not saying that that this is going to be an eight bagger, but just because it's bigger doesn't mean that you have to avoid it. Uh, there, there's some great bigger companies out there. So this is one that I like, you know, here and going forward, folks. Uh, another one, again, I believe I've talked about in the past. This is Lightspeed POS. POS stands for uh, point of sale. This is about an $11 billion company. And um, they use point of sale and uh, SaaS software as a service uh, to interact with customers and uh, with customers for their customers. And their customers are retailers, restaurants, even like golf uh, courses, stuff like that. Top line is expected to grow 28% annual. Bottom line is expected to grow 32% annual. So this is a little bit smaller company. It's a mid-cap, if you, if you will. And based in Canada, to me, this looks great. Look at this chart. 
just kind of hit its head against 80, breaks out, and now's your pullback consolidation. Uh, if we zoom out a little bit here, we'll see it's, it was an IPO in 2019. Uh, this consolidation was great. You know, now it's breaking out of this consolidation. Could be starting next leg higher, which could be a huge move. So for me, uh, this is the, the type of company that falls into uh, our fintech area. First one is industrials, second one's fintech. Remember, you need to have a diversified portfolio, folks. Again, the next one I'm pretty sure I've talked about in the past, almost positive uh, a few times. And uh, again, this is one that's been on my watch list for so long. I have no exposure to it. And uh, sometimes you, you don't, can't buy every stock you like. And this company is Natera, N-T-R-A. And this is a play on healthcare. It's a liquid biopsy company. It's about a $10.2 billion company. It does testing for fetal genetic abnormalities such as Down syndrome, et cetera, you know, in, in the fetus uh, when women are pregnant. In 2013, they did about uh, just under 90,000 tests. Last year, they did over 1 million tests. You can see the growth that they've had in that seven-year time frame, uh, about 11, 12x, which is, which is awesome. And the big thing now is they're moving into using liquid biopsy, what they do for the uh, fetal genetic abnormality testing, into cancer screening. But this is during and after treatment to see if there are more cancer cells coming and, and how to uh, continue to treat the patient after its initial treatment. This is very, very big, big business. Uh, there's a couple other companies in there, Adaptive and Gardent. Uh, those are two of the companies that are in there right now. Uh, top line's expected to grow about 17.5%. Bottom line, just under 21%. Uh, again, not a cheap company at all, but it's very disruptive. And uh, to me, this is something you could see billions in revenue in the future, billions. Uh, from a couple hundred million now, a few hundred million, to billions. Something you'll definitely want to keep an eye on. Uh, again, it's, it's just in such a disruptive area. So, so far we've talked industrials, fintech, healthcare, all very different. Now let's talk future of transportation. We're gonna pull up a SPAC here uh, that has a definitive agreement to merge uh, with a, um, a charging station, a charging company, it's called EVGO. Uh, the SPAC is called Climate Change Crisis Real Impact Acquisition Corp, which is just ridiculous, symbol C-L-I-I. Uh, but the deal is supposed to go through in the third quarter, which we're in now. Uh, about a $4 billion valuation right here. The company projects uh, revenue about $600 million in 2025. Uh, this year, they're only expecting $20 million. So huge growth, huge, huge growth. They, they offer the EV fast charging network. So there's, there's a difference between regular charging and fast charging. They do the fast charging network. Uh, right now, they have more than 800 of these charging uh, stations around the country in nearly 70 <coughs> metropolitan areas. Technically, uh, obviously it ran up in the news with all SPACs and came back down to reality, even worse than reality, kind of went sideways and starting to break out again, but then you pull back. A lot of support around this 14 area. I, I kind of like it pulling back here. Uh, this is a, uh, an aggressive play, to say the least, and I think you may want to build a basket of these EV charging companies. But it is one, again, toss it on your watch list, folks. Toss it on the watch list. Uh, so that's transportation. Uh, next one we're going to take a look at is GRWG. Again, I know I've talked about this at some point in the past. Grow Generation. Now, about a $2.8 billion company. Let me pull up the chart here for you. Uh, it's taking a while, so I'll wait till it loads up. Uh, but Grow Generation, GRWG, about a $2.8 billion company. Uh, it has retail stores, uh, he, retail hydroponic stores, but it's really a play on two other really area, niche areas within there. And one is cannabis, uh, and the other one is, is you're gonna laugh, but kind of like gardening, people getting outside. 
gardening has seen a huge, huge rebound as of late. And um, I, I think that's going to continue. Uh, people kind of getting back uh, uh, to the earth and, and people doing more things at home. So you have a, a two really uh, fast-growing, driving trends uh, behind growth generation. I know we're going to pull on a chart for you in a minute. Uh, top line is expected to grow by about 18%. Bottom line, 23% in the next couple of years. Uh, company's profitable, which I like. And here, let's take a look at the chart. And you can see it ran up to a new all-time high, pulled back with a lot of things in mid-February, and now it's starting to work its way back up. And this is really a downtrend line right here, uh, as you can see. And it broke through that downtrend line, starting a new uptrend. I like the action, really nice action here on Thursday. Big, big candle, closed near the high of session. Uh, this could easily be at new highs uh, before you know it. Uh, again, uh, nice growth, top bottom line, 2.8 billion small cap company, uh, and it's in, got two drivers kind of pushing it. So we talked about five really different companies, uh, a $60 billion industrial, an $11 billion fintech, uh, about a $10 billion healthcare, uh, future of healthcare, if you will, about a $4 billion uh, future of transportation, and then uh, less than $3 billion play on um, cannabis, uh, gardening, uh, retail, all kind of put together. So we, 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 we're starting our portfolio very nice here. Uh, and again, nothing here is buy or sell recommendations. I'm an exposure to these, but I'm just sharing uh, what I believe are, are really cool ideas to kind of get your, the wheels moving in your head to see where people make money in stock market, how you can make money in stock market, and how it's fun. I mean, just hearing about these companies and these new IPOs that are going public, it's, it's all just a, a lot of fun. So I hope you're having as much fun as I do when I come up with these and I do these shows. Uh, I apologize for the happen. I had a long ass day today and I didn't feel like uh, taking a shower after being in the water uh, and doing my hair, so I threw a hat on. But uh, it is uh, July 2nd. Uh, obviously, July 4th is on Sunday. Hope everybody gets out there. I mean, I, I think everything's open now in the United States. I don't know. I don't follow it that much. But I hope you get out there and you see your family and friends you haven't seen in a long time. Uh, heck, get crazy. Have an extra beer. Have an extra hot dog. Uh, drink extra lemonade. Whatever the hell you want to do. Uh, be safe. Safe with the fireworks and all that kind of craziness. Um, but again, be safe and be grateful for the fact that we're getting back to normal. Uh, I'll be just right over that hill there on the, uh, on the water, the pool. They're having a huge barbecue with like 200 people on Sunday. So I'll give you an update on Monday. Uh, I may be a little sluggish. might be a hell of a party. We'll have to see. But uh, have a safe, happy, wonderful, grateful July 4th. And people are talking about markets. Heck, send them my way. Tell them Moneyline with Matt McCall. Check it out. All right, folks, thanks so much for all the support uh, that you've given me over the years and you continue to give me and will continue to give me. Uh, I will keep working hard for you, and I'm here for you. So great long weekend. Please be safe. Be happy. We'll be back Monday. Uh, sorry, Tuesday. I'm Matt McCall, and that was your Moneyline. Moneyline with Matt McCall. To find more information, head over to McCallMoneyWire.com. That's McCallMoneyWire.com.